So obviously you're one of the last people that we know of that saw your dad before he went missing and that leads to a lot of speculation. Um, how would you feel if people described you as a suspect in your dad's disappearance? Well they did because we always fought. Me and my dad were always together but we would argue and fight and that's what sucked. And then this would happen, they definitely thought I was a suspect because why wouldn't they? All, I lived right next to him and I was the last person to see him. Yeah, they're definitely going to blame me because well, what else are they going to say? He fights with his dad. Blame him. That's all they can say. From the Blade, this is Code 18 Unsolved, Season 1, Episode 5, Tim Darrow. Code 18 just references the radio code that we use when we describe a dead body. has never been named a suspect in the 2017 disappearance of his father, Alvin Darrow Jr. No one has been named a suspect. But because of the circumstances leading up to Alvin's disappearance, Tim himself admits that he understands why he might be viewed as one. He fought with his father often, including on the day his father went missing, and Tim, by his own admission even, was the last identifiable person to see his father. So as Tim just said, it's easy to understand why he might be an initial person of interest, if not a suspect in the case. It also doesn't help that Toledo Police Detective Bill Goodlett doesn't want to discuss in any detail Tim's early statements about what happened between him and his father, which in many ways makes Tim look even more suspicious. But as we all know, there are two sides to every story. So I went to find Tim to see if he would tell us what happened in his own words. I found him at the mechanic shop where he works on Toledo's west side. He was standing outside the shop talking to a customer when I pulled up and walked over to talk to him. Former Blade photographer Andy Morrison was with me. He has since moved on to another paper, but you'll hear his voice throughout this interview with Tim. We talked with Tim for about an hour. Now, obviously, the conversation had to be edited down for time, but I'm going to play as much of it as I can. This is Tim's story. So, like I said, we're, we're doing this story on your father's case and uh, just trying to talk to people about what they remember from that time. So, um, you know, we know that your father was working with Jeremy at the marina and then he came home to get some more supplies to winterize the boat. And do you remember what happened when he came home? The whole day, I mean, we, I was only home for a little bit, and, no, I mean, I seen him for a little bit, we, I mean, there was a little, you know, argument and everything, and uh, that was it, I mean, we just, I only seen him for a little bit, and then, that Like, was you it. saw him pull in to the drive, and then that prompted you to go talk to him, or he came to talk to you? I haven't thought about it in a while. Um, hold on, I'm sorry. Take, take, no. Stop for a second. Um, no, the 
I have a my memory like I'm I'm ADHD. If I'm uh, I can't. I'm trying to think of. Yeah, he was in his white truck. No, he was already home. He was already home, and I stopped home. And uh, I pulled the bike. There was a there was a motorcycle in my garage. I pulled the motorcycle out of my garage, and because it was stolen, and I told him he had to get it out of there. And we got in an argument, and I left. And that was the last time. That's that's the only thing. That's all I could tell people. I mean. So you see that there's a stolen motorcycle. How do you discover that there's a stolen motorcycle in your garage? He put it in my garage. He told me it was. He told me. He told me he wanted me to work on the bike. And a guy named Al told me that the bike was stolen to get it out of there. The cops were going to be looking for the bike. And I told my dad. I said I don't want it in there. I said I'm getting it out of there. And he fought with me. And I said get it out of there. And he said how are you going to do this to me? And I took a video of the whole thing. Do, the you, last... do you still have that video? No, I gave everything to the police. Okay. But you don't have it on your phone anymore? I, I gave them my phone. Oh. What? You say that you fought with your dad over this bike. What does that mean? Well, I was b pulling it out of the garage, pushing it out, and he tried to push me back into the garage with the bike. The bike fell over, and we started wrestling and arguing. So that's, uh, that's how it ended. Did either, like, did it get physical? Were you guys punching each other? Uh, yeah. I, I punched him. He punched the bike. Yeah, we kind of yeah we got into it, and I videoed the whole thing because, you know, I. Oh, you're taking horrible pictures of me. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, That's Andy. He was taking photos while Tim and I talked, and it distracted Tim. But what Tim just said is important because we already know that Tim has always admitted to arguing with his father over the stolen motorcycle being on his property, but he's never mentioned it being more than verbal before. He never mentioned wrestling with his father or punching him. I confirmed this with Detective Goodlett. This is the first time Tim has ever said the fight between him and his dad was physical. Now, right after Tim says this, we get sidetracked for a bit talking about the purpose of the podcast, but I wanted to get back to their fight because Tim was providing new information. So, you, when you guys were fighting, you said your dad punched the bike. Do you remember him bleeding at all? Yeah. Where, he had, yeah, he got blood on the bike. Where was he bleeding from? I don't know. He got, I was bleeding. He was, I think we were both bleeding. But you don't remember. Where were you bleeding from? My hand. From falling with the bike and my leg. Because mm -hmm. the bike fell on top of me. It was a huge, heavy bike. So you guys were like wrestling on either side of the bike? I was pulling the bike out of the garage, telling him to get it out. And he said, well, I got somebody coming to look at it. And I said, well, they not here. Not here you don't. And that's all. I just didn't want, I, I didn't want nothing to do with the stolen stuff. I was tired of that. I don't want, that's, that's how his lifestyle was. And I, it sucks that people know that about him, but that's how I mean. What kind of Harley was it? It was, uh, I don't know, it was a white gnarly, it was a it was turboed, it was, I mean, it was a really cool bike, that's why I think he wanted it. And I told him, I said, I said, you asked Tiffany, I said, you keep telling me, he said he had another bike he wanted to put in there, and he said he had somebody to come over to look at mine, and I told him, I said, dude, I don't want nobody else coming over my house, because it's, that's crazy, I got all these bikers coming to my house, I said, it's a stolen bike, you don't, you don't mess with them people, you know what I'm saying? I got threats, they, they, they threatened me ever, for a year after that, 
I mean, anywhere I go, people are like, oh, man, you stole that bike. I had nothing to do with none of that shit, man. That's why I didn't want nothing to do with it in the first place. Was it a particular bike gang or something? Or? Just random people just that knew. I mean, it was somebody had something. Somebody knew something about that bike. Somebody knew something about... See, it was that bike and another bike, but the bike that got that they got was, I guess, some guy won it at a arm wrestling competition or something. I don't know. And he... I thought it was some guys like pride and joy. I thought it was, he built this bike from the ground up. And I'm thinking like, man, somebody's got to get their bike back. So I told the police, I said, the bike's in my garage. I, the bike was still, when I came back, the bike was back in my garage. I pulled it out. My dad was putting it back in. I said, dude, I don't want this bike in my garage. So when I left, the bike was still out. He was trying to put it away. I, I left. That's the last thing I told him. Okay, let's stop here because this is where it starts to get confusing. In his first account of his interaction with his dad that day, Tim says he pulled the stolen Harley out of his garage and he and his dad were fighting about what to do with it next. Tim says he wanted it off his property, but Alvin said no. They fought, Tim punched his dad, his dad punched the bike, one or both of them may have been bleeding, and then... Tim says he left as his dad was trying to put the motorcycle back into Tim's garage. Nothing unusual going on, he just leaves. That was the last thing Tim remembers. But what about the story of bikers with guns coming to the house and taking Alvin? Remember, that's the story Jeremy said Tim told him when he first called asking after their dad, after Rocky came to the house and said Alvin was nowhere to be found. And you can hear that Tim does seem to be worried about, quote, messing with bikers, as he put it. Do you remember calling Jeremy uh, upset saying that some guys with some guns showed up at the house? That was... They didn't show... Nobody with guns showed up at the house, I don't think. It was people coming to look at the bike. But the, that was when we were buying one of the bikes, or trying to sell one of the bikes, is when that happened. So not the white bike? It was the white bike. He was trying to either buy it or sell the bike right off of right off the side of the expressway. And we got chased down the side of the expressway to my house. And he, he drove first. I think he drove all the way down the expressway, turned all the way back around. He ended up bringing the bike back to my house again. I, it, was, it was a lot of hassle. This was the day before he went missing? It was... Days before, when, yeah, it was before. It was before that day. Okay, so on that day you were chased off, and then on the day he went missing, someone was coming to look at the bike. Somebody was bringing a bike and coming to purchase that bike because he didn't want that bike anymore. Do you know who? He that asked was? me to take the bike apart. Is the only reason I had the bike because I was gonna take the motor off, put it on another bike, or do something. And when I found out it was stolen, I backed it out of my garage. I called it. Uh, this guy named Al told me, he said, dude, get it out of there. He said, your dad just, he said, your dad said he wanted the bike. And that was actually the guy that gave, he actually told me to call the police. He said, give him my name. And I'm like, all right. I said, I'll, I'll call. I said, I'll give him your name. I'll, I'll tell him whatever you want me to tell him. And I just didn't want it in my garage anymore. That was it. I mean, when you don't, I mean, I don't deal with that kind of shit, you know? I like motorcycles a lot. That's why I like that bike, but I had no idea about it. Again, this is a lot to process. 
Tim suggests here that he did know about the bike being in his garage prior to the confrontation with his dad because he was supposed to work on it. But all of that changed when he found out the bike was stolen. Tim also says that the event described where men with guns chased him and his father actually happened a day or more before Alvin went missing. He and Alvin had met the men to either buy the white bike or sell it or otherwise exchange some other stolen motorcycle when something happens and they get chased off. Here's Tim describing that encounter a second time a little later in our interview. Why do you think that Tim remembers you calling him the day your dad went missing? Oh. Or, sorry, Jeremy. Jeremy remembers you calling him and reporting that you and your dad just got chased away. Yeah, we went to go take that bike back down to where we... He went exactly where we bought the bike from, and we were selling it to another guy, and they had to have been the people that he stole it from, that it was stolen from or something, because they were either that was... He didn't pay them people for the bike. I think that's what it was. And yeah, he, he got shot at. I was, it was crazy. And everybody just, oh, oh, you said this story and you said this story. I could tell you 10 times in a row the same story and I would not tell you the same way. I, I couldn't do it. I can't, my, my, I'm so ADHD and so, I have hyperthyroidism and I have everything. I swear to God, my mind races so bad. If I tried to tell you the same story 10 times in a row, you'd say that's different. I don't care if you paid me. I can't, my mind just, you know, and then everybody's like, oh, what happened, what happened, what happened? I'm like, we went and bought the bike, same spot that we got chased at, on the side of the expressway. And nobody went, oh, well, whatever then. And they even told me I stole the bike. I said, well, you guys will figure it out. So that's all I could tell them. And you, your dad got shot at, uh, you were there when your dad got shot at? We fought the guys. Tell me about that. They tried to take dad. my dad off the bike, the white bike, and then... After that is, I think it was the next day or a couple days later when all, when everything happened. When he went missing. When I got in a fight with him over the bike, getting out of my garage. Now, I asked Detective Goodlit about this alleged exchange. He says there is evidence that Alvin did meet with some men in an area parking lot to buy the white motorcycle. This information came from the man whose name Tim keeps referencing, Al, short for Alan Wheatley. Alan declined to be interviewed for this podcast, but Detective Goodlett says police talked to him previously and he confirmed that he arranged for Alvin to meet some men about the motorcycle, though it's never expressly said whether Alvin knew it was stolen or not. But Alan doesn't mention there being any confrontation over it, certainly nothing about men with guns chasing the Darrows off, like Tim describes, or firing shots at them. But let me get back to the interview, because what happens next was really unusual. Again, Tim is telling us that this exchange with the men with guns occurred just before, quote, everything happened. And I tried to clarify what everything meant. I asked him, you mean before your dad went missing? And this is what Tim says. So when you went So you guys keep him, saying he came up missing. I... You guys don't know what happened to him. Well, he is missing. Yeah, but that was the biggest thing was that they tried to say something just straight happened to him. They didn't even straight, they didn't know what to even think. They just straight tried to blame everybody and just, I don't know. All I know is I got the bike out of my garage. I told him, I said, I'm videoing and I videoed it. That's all I could do. 
I never did get a good explanation for why Tim took offense to us calling his dad missing. I pushed on. I asked him why his father would steal a motorcycle in the first place, and he said he wouldn't, but he was buying one. It still didn't make sense to me, though. Alvin had money, homes, a boat, three Harley Davidsons of his own, and he appeared to be living crime-free for the last five years. So why would he buy a stolen motorcycle? Because he liked Harleys. But he wasn't keeping them? I guess he said he didn't like the way the bike turned. I never even got to ride the bike. All I ever wanted, I, you know, he's like, oh yeah, this could be your bike. This is, and I didn't know it was stolen at first. And then I got all the messages. I gave all the, I gave these phone, the phone to the detectives because they wanted to know about where the bike came from. And I was like, well, here. I, they had all, I had all the messages that he sent me and the videos and the pictures. And I, had, I just gave him my phone. I never even got my phone back. So now we learn that the bike may have initially been promised to Tim in some way. But he says as soon as he learned it was stolen, he didn't want anything to do with it. And that's why they fought. So after you fought, you left and you were angry. Uh, what do you think happened to your dad after that? He dealt with some dirty people. And he was selling them a bike or buying a bike from them. And he... He's done this his whole life. That's why I don't understand why he just kept doing it. We discussed Alvin's prior criminal history in detail last episode, but just to reiterate, there is no indication he was committing crimes from 2012 until he went missing in 2017. And Detective Goodlett says there's no indication that Alvin was caught up with any dirty people, as Tim suggests, or anything else suspicious or illegal for that matter. Tim went on to make other accusations about his father's lifestyle that also have never been proven. I'm skipping over those. So you're saying that whoever he was selling the bike to could have done something to him? He was buying another bike. The, that bike was somewhere. He didn't sell that bike, so it had to have been the other bike that he was dealing with. He was going to get another bike. It was a maroon, I told them, he, it was a maroon Harley. If they figured out anything about that, then they did. But I never talked to anybody else about nothing else again, except for people on the street and what happened, you know. And he never told you who was coming to look at the bike? He always had somebody coming to look at the bike, the stolen one. That's why I told him to get it out of there. That's what scared me is I'm, I'm not. Next thing I know, you know, I thought it was going to be somebody that owned the bike or somebody that knew the guy next. I was like, I was scared, you know. I'm not going to keep showing people a stolen bike and I didn't even know where it came from. Again, police have no evidence of Alvin trying to buy a maroon motorcycle, stolen or not. And Detective Goodlett said they've never received a report of any other motorcycle going missing around the same time. Why didn't you call 911 or to report the bike stolen if you wanted to Because it was at my house. That's why, that's why I backed it out of there. I was going to push it out in the street. So you thought if it was found at your house that you would get blamed for it? I just don't want to deal with that kind of thing. I know I don't. I was I was scared. Have a seventy thousand dollar bike in my garage that somebody else that's some grown man's bike. That's scary because you don't know who's going to come looking for that bike. In his story, Tim is starting to worry that something bad could happen because they have this stolen motorcycle. Like maybe the owner of the bike might show up and take it back, presumably by force. But he already told us that the only people he and Alvin ever had trouble with concerning the motorcycle was the men who Alvin bought the bike from. 
It was days before Alvin's disappearance when Tim said they were chased and shot at by men he neither knew nor recognized. So at this point, there's no reason to believe anyone connected with the motorcycle would come looking for Alvin. Even Tim said all was well when he left the house that day. He and his dad fought, Tim got in his truck, and he left as his dad was pushing the motorcycle back into his garage. No one else was around. But I can't tell you what happened to him after that. I couldn't tell you if he paid me. I couldn't tell you if there was a great outcome. I couldn't tell you. Once he left, Tim says he drove to his girlfriend Tiffany's house, where he stayed the rest of the night. On more than one occasion, he told me he never left his girlfriend's house. He never went back to his house on the night his father went missing. But his brother Jeremy and Rocky Conley had told me previously that when they came looking for Alvin at the house that night, Tim's truck was parked in his driveway, but they couldn't find Tim. He wasn't picking up his phone, and when they knocked on his door, there was no answer. Police also confirmed that after Rocky's first 911 call, they sent officers to Tim's house. They arrived about 7.30 p.m., and Tim's truck was in the drive, as was Tim. They talked to him. They followed him up the drive, across the yard, and over the fence into Alvin's yard. At this point, there was no motorcycle in the yard, and Tim's garage door was closed. The encounter is captured on their body cameras, which they showed me pictures of. So I kept asking Tim about it, and his story began to change. Later in the interview, he did remember coming back to his house, but apparently he didn't remember talking to police. So I know there's also been reports that your truck was in the driveway when like Jeremy and Rocky arrived and they knocked on the door, but you didn't answer. Were you home at that time, do you think? That day? They didn't come to my house. After five, after your father, after they couldn't get a hold of your father. I left. I didn't, my truck wasn't there. Okay, so if there... That's like the only thing I... My truck... I didn't leave my truck there. That was all I was driving. Why would I, why would I leave it there? So if they're remembering that, you think they're misremembering it? I don't think my truck was there because I was driving my truck. I went to my girlfriend's house. I wasn't driving anything else. And you never... So there's no way I left my truck at my house. You never came back to your house that night? Yeah, I think we came back. Yeah, I think we put it... A little while later, I put in the AC at my house. Yeah. I cut... We cut all the boards out. Yeah, I left. Oh, yeah, I did go back to my house. Went to my house. We put the AC in. Cut all the boards out, put all that, and I put it all in my front window. Yeah, and then that's when I went to my girlfriend's. Yeah, I told them the whole, I told them all that. After a quibble over whether Alvin was missing or not, I asked Tim a more direct question. Do you think that your father is alive? I don't think he is. I really don't. And if something happened to him, you think it might have been related to one of the stolen motorcycles? That's all it could be over. It had to be over the motorcycles. It was about halfway through our hour-long interview with Tim at this point, and we'd covered a lot of ground. 
He told us about fighting with his dad. He'd discuss how they'd come to have the motorcycle in the first place and some of his fears about having stolen property in his garage. But I was still curious about their fight. Remember, I've seen the video Tim took of him and his father, and there's nothing in it to suggest that a tussle is coming. Tim is smiling and laughing. Alvin doesn't speak, though he does seem upset, at one point lifting his hands to his head in apparent frustration or agitation, and then holding them out to his side as if to say, what are you doing? Or why are you doing this? But they're not touching. No one is bleeding, no punches are thrown, and then, just as Alvin reaches for the bike, the video goes black. I wanted to know what happened. So, if I could just get you one more time to describe this fight, because it seems like when you're taking the video, everything was kind of calm, you were upset about the stolen motorcycle. When, how does it escalate from there? Because I kept trying to push it out of my garage. He kept trying to push it back in there. So I just explain that. So even though someone was coming to look at it, he wanted it to be in the garage? He, I was getting, I was pushing it out of the garage regardless. I was going to push it down the block. I didn't care. I said, just take, he would not take the bike to his house. He did not want a stolen bike at his house. And I told him, I said, dude, I, I don't want it here. And he couldn't get that through his mind. So I pushed it out. We, oh, we ended up fighting because it fell and the, and the side got all messed up. That's why we ended up fighting. Because when I backed it out after it fell over and I fell over with it, I either smashed, I don't know, I smashed my hand or my leg. I don't know what I did, but the bike got messed up and then he, then he just went crazy. That's why I tried to videotape everything because I didn't want nothing to do with that stolen bike or none of the problems. That's why I videotaped it. Okay, quickly here. Tim said they fought because the bike fell over and got scratched up. But in the video, the bike is already lying on its side in the grass. So if this encounter happened before Tim started recording, there's certainly no evidence of Alvin or anyone going crazy over it. Though the damage could be why Alvin held out his hands in frustration. If the encounter happened after the video recording, then Tim did not capture the evidence he was hoping for. Again, Alvin doesn't speak or act in the video other than to pace and reach for the motorcycle's handlebars, as if to pick it up off the ground. But Tim remembers the exchange differently. What does the videotape show? I mean, is he... It shows me saying, this is Tim Darrow, this is Hopper Darrow, get your stolen bike out of here. And he's screaming, how are you going to do this to me? I mean, I, I try to get as much on video as I could because when, I, when, when we would get into it, he would just act crazy. And I tried to videotape it for the first time because I've never gotten a video of anything. That was the only, that was like the only time I've ever got to get him on video acting crazy. Did he just come at you throwing fists or? We both, yeah, we were both fighting over the bike, over the bike falling down and getting scratched or dented or whatever happened. Did he throw the first punch? When I was on the bike, he punched me. That's why we fought. Because I was backing it out. He pushed me back in the hole, pulled it back out and... You know what? I might even punch the bike. I think I, I think I even punched the bike too because I'm, I was mad. I was like, dude, I was done with it. I think I, I can't even remember. I think I punched the bike. I think I dented the whole side of the tank by punching it, and the whole side got messed up from dropping it. That's why he was so mad because he couldn't. Sell. I don't know something about him not being able to sell it, or I ruined it, and I didn't care. I just didn't want it in my garage. That was the whole thing. That was all. Everything 
that whole day was over the bike. How long did we, the fight we weren't even a couple minutes. A minute. How did stop. it end? Me leaving. So you guys were throwing punches at each other and you just got up and walked away. I got up and told him after we got after I videotaped and I told him to get the bike out of there, I left. Ended up coming back a little while later and put the AC in and then Then I spent the night with my brother and my girlfriend. So you're, the whole fight should be on video? The whole fight is on video. Well, most, no, not the whole fight. After I got the phone and started trying to videotape it. No, after, pretty much after the fight, I think, after we, I don't know. It was all, it was all in between. We're fighting, trying to video, fighting. It was a whole, you, I mean, there's not a, you can't really hold a phone and fight and argue and try and get a bike out of your garage and deal with the whole situation. It was it was just a bad, it was just a bad situation with that bike. I didn't, he should have never had nothing to do with him. So where was your dad? Where do you last remember seeing your dad that day? Pushing the bike in my garage. So as you were leaving, he was pushing the yes. bike in your garage. Yes. And where were you going? Just trying to get out of there. I mean, I was—I didn't want to be there when anybody got there. I already, I already met with a few people to try and buy the bike, and I was nervous then. I didn't want nothing. He's like, oh, so I'm like, I'm not showing anybody that bike, man. Get it out of there. I told him so many times, and he wouldn't. And I was going to, actually, I think I was going to push it. I was going to push it over to his house. That's what I was going to do that day. He wouldn't let me. He would not want that bike in his garage. So you just gave up and left? Yeah. So what, I guess your, your last memory is that, um, can you describe it specifically? Were you in the truck? Did you see it in the rearview mirror? Did you just, were you just standing there when he's, you know, pushing that up into your garage or? Somebody, I think somebody was, somebody showed up in like a, white car I think it was just it was it was similar to the car that when we bought the bike a white car pulled up it was like a white Buick or something I think that pulled up somebody there was yeah there was some people there to showed up to get yeah some people showed up right before I left that was the people that were trying to buy one of the bikes or selling him the other bike and I didn't want I, I left I seen them all come and I left that's when they were all coming and then when I got back the bike was in my garage all locked up everything was locked nothing was stolen nothing was gone and then that's why I couldn't believe, because if they would have did something to him, they would have took the bike too. That's why I didn't understand why they said he was missing, because I was like, well, the bike would be gone too. And then you never, never saw him again after that? I never saw him again after that. Recall, Tim first told us that after he fought with his dad, he just left. Nothing else was going on, he just pulled out in his truck as his dad was pushing the bike back in the garage, and that was it. Now, we hear that as Tim is leaving, a group of people are arriving to either look at the stolen motorcycle or sell Alvin a new one. He doesn't mention guns or threats, but Tim says he sees these people arrive and he leaves. And where do you see the white car pulling up? Out front. Uh my house. 
So they pulled up on Dean Street? Yeah. Rather than at Alvin's house. That's why I thought, yeah, no, he wouldn't bring he wouldn't bring nobody to his house with the stone shit, with the bikes. With the with the with everything else, yeah. Not Do you know how many people were in the car? There was a couple people in the car and there was a couple people on bikes. They brought the maroon bike. That was the other bike he was supposed to buy. So they did bring the maroon bike. They yeah. rode it there. Yeah. And did you recognize anyone from the day before? I didn't never knew. I never knew who any of them were anyways. They were all bikers. But you didn't recognize anyone? I didn't know any of them. It wasn't Al or, it wasn't Al or the dude that sold my dad the bike. So I didn't know... I couldn't even tell you the guy that sold my dad the bike what he looked like. I don't even remember. So how many people were there? I don't know. A couple. There was either one or two people in the car and a couple people on bikes. I think there was two people with them in the car. Did they threaten you with guns? They didn't threaten me. I just left. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want people to see. I didn't want to be in that garage with, with grown men that knew that bike was stolen or didn't know it was stolen or... They're going to come back to my house once they find out it's stolen, obviously, so I didn't want nothing to do with it. It remains unclear from Tim's account why Jeremy and Rocky remember him calling and telling them after Alvin disappeared that men with guns showed up and took Alvin or chased him away. In his account now, Tim doesn't recall seeing any threatening behavior or anything to explain why Alvin went missing. The only person we know of that did arrange to meet with Alvin to see the bike that day was Rocky Conley. Alvin had sent him a picture of the bike and told him he had to come check it out. Rocky was going to stop after work around 5 p.m., but he said when he showed up, Alvin was missing and his dog was running loose. What really happened to Alvin Darrow? Did someone come looking for him? Which of Tim's accounts of that day is accurate? And why does the story keep changing? So obviously you're one of the last people that we know of that saw your dad before he went missing and that leads to a lot of speculation. Um, how would you feel if people described you as a suspect in your dad's disappearance? Well they did because we always fought. I was the that I was me and my dad were always together, but we would argue and fight, and that's what sucked. And then this would happen, they definitely thought I was a suspect, because why wouldn't they? All, I lived right next to him, and I was the last person to see him. Yeah, they're definitely going to blame me, because well, what, what else are they going to say? He fights with his dad. Blame him. That's all they can say. That's why I got it on video. That's why I'm glad I at least did that, because otherwise I would be in trouble. So you don't think... Did you have anything to do with your dad's disappearance? No. You don't know where he is right now? I can only say it one more time. So what would you say to people that accuse you? Who's always ever accused me? Well, if they suspect you, what would you say to them? If you said they considered you a suspect, what Ooh. would you say? Who would consider me a suspect? You just said, I asked you if someone considered you a suspect, and you said they did consider me a suspect. I said if they did, it was, I said if they did, it was because we always got in fights, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you think it's absurd to think that you were involved in any way? 
It definitely is. Why wouldn't it be? We know we, we all we ever did was we went out on the boats, we had fun, we did everything, but when I would fight with them, I wouldn't. I would just leave, and everybody knows that. I wouldn't fight with them anymore. I was over that shit. And when we got in the fight over the bike, is because I dropped the because we dropped the bike. You're gonna get mad at me for that and get and fight with me over it. So yeah, I was upset that day. I was very upset that day. That day was ridiculous. But to say that I had something to do with my dad, no. Yeah, me and my dad used to fight, but that's ridiculous. Because anybody that knows my dad, they know how he is, and they know the troubles he's in. They know the troubles he was in. I ended with this. Do you miss your dad? I definitely miss my dad. If the person responsible is going to listen to our podcast, is there a message that you would want them to hear from you? I don't even, yeah, if I could think about it, but I probably can't, I'd have to think about it. I'm sorry, I I can't think about it right now. Next week, we learn more about police's investigation into Alvin's disappearance. Who were they questioning? And where were they looking for signs of Alvin? And then, a shocking tip. This remains an open investigation. If you have any information about this case or any other unsolved homicides, call Toledo Crime Stoppers at 419-255-1111. Callers can remain anonymous and there may be reward money. Help put this Code 18 to rest. Help spread the word about the podcast by giving us a five-star review and recommending us to your friends. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you listen. You can also find the episodes and additional case information, including photos and videos, at ToledoBlade.com slash Code18. Code18 is reported and written by me, your host, Caitlin Durbin, for The Blade. Bill Kaplan is our producer, with original art and theme music by Danielle Gamble. Additional original music provided by Joel Roberts. Editing assistance comes from Blade editors Michael Walton, Michael Bryce, and Kim Bates. Hi everyone, this is Caitlin Durbin. I'm a Blade reporter and host of this podcast. If you're enjoying it, I invite you to subscribe to The Blade and support my colleagues in the reliable journalism that makes this work possible. The Blade has been reporting on Toledo's history since before the city itself was established. We are the newspaper of record. Go to ToledoBlade.com and click subscribe.